The DEA urging Americans to be more aware than ever of deadly fentanyl-laced fake prescription pills. So fentanyl remains the deadliest drug threat facing the U.S. And Fox 13's Brian Flores joining us now with more on these alarming new numbers that were just released. Yeah, bottom line, the fentanyl crisis is getting worse. The numbers prove that. The DEA not mincing any words as well about these pills. They say never take a pill that's not prescribed to you, never take a pill from a friend, and never take a pill bought on social media. This is Plausibly Live. Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do. A lot of things happening in the world today. Most of them are far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life, thought about the laws of gravity, fentanyl, blue plaid, politics, and or the news. Don't touch the dial. Just hear me out for a little while. Well, as I promised on Friday, happy to welcome into the show today, Judd Spitzer. Judd, good to see you again. Yeah. Judd and I have done uh, several episodes of the Subvet together and had some conversations offline. We are both former United States Navy submariners. In fact, we are both fire control technician ballistic missiles, which do not exist anymore. As I like to say, we're just dinosaurs. Although, Judd, got, you got cross-rated, didn't you? I did. They made me a missile tech, and the chief, the senior chief who was an F, you know, because in at the time, if you were a missile tech, once you made senior chief, they made you an FT, senior <laughs> chief, right? You were FTCS. And then when they made missile techs, converted everybody, then he got to come back to being a missile tech senior chief, which he was extremely happy about. And he came into MCC and told every FTB, you're all missile techs now. He was he a, was happy about that. I have a really good friend of mine that was a FTB chief, um, longtime fire controlman. He and I were very good friends, taught together at, at, at uh, Damneck. And when they forced the conversion, he was a he was the LPO or the chief on one of the boats, and I don't remember which one. He took all his FTBs out, and they all got tattoos of bees, the the bees on their arm, and it says "Bee Attitude" underneath that. And I thought, <laughs> you know, I'm not a tattoo guy, but if I ever got one, that's what I would be. So, anyway, Judd and I have a lot of uh, commonality in our experience, but. That's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're talking about something we do not have in common. Uh, Judd is a member of an organization called blueplaid.org, and we're going to talk about that uh, in detail here. It's an organization that deals with fentanyl and the abuse and recovery and prevention of that. And as I said the other day on the show, fentanyl just confuses the daylights out of me. Doesn't make any sense. So I said, who do I know that knows something about fentanyl? I'm assuming without ever having taken it. I don't, I'm a, that's an assumption on my part, but. but that's a good assumption. <laughs> but Judd works with this, uh, this organization called Blue Plaid, and they do uh, do that kind of stuff. So let's, uh, let's start there. What is fentanyl? So fentanyl is a synthetic opioid. Um, it is a hundred times more potent than uh, oxycodone, which is a commonly uh, abused opioid drug. Uh, being synthetic, it is extremely inexpensive to make. The precursors are uh, derived from China, sent over to Mexico, where they actually make it 
And uh, then they take that and they ship it over here, either as fentanyl itself or they'll make pills or fake pills and uh, hide them and, and sell them as something else, not fentanyl. So it's so the, those- it's the cheap that, that gets this then, right? Because, I mean, I have a prescription for oxycodone for my surgery coming up next mm-hmm. month. And in my past history, I've had, God, I've lost track of how many surgeries I've had. but. Only one time that I, well, two times, I guess, that I took the oxycodone, my knee replacement, and then when I shattered my hand. I only took one when I shattered my hand. The pain went away. It was like a switch. And I never took it again until my knee surgery. This is hundreds of times, but even Rush Limbaugh was addicted to oxycodone. Again, right. I don't I don't have that frame of reference. I don't really understand how that happens, but I, I acknowledge that it does. This is hundreds of times more powerful than that. Right. That that's exactly it. And so when you uh, when you look at some of the statistics and the quantity amount that's needed and part of this is part of the reason why uh, it's the biggest problem going on is that you only need a basically what's the size of three grains of salt hmm. to get enough to kill you. Wow. That poisoning is is that small. So you only need a fraction of that to get the kind of high that you would get from oxy. Problem is, is it's not pharmaceutically mixed. It is done by, you know, drug dealers who don't have a clue. And so some of the drugs that people are getting, um, in fact, most of them have too much fentanyl in it and one pill and you're dead. So. You know, the paradigm has changed. We used to have a paradigm where people would abuse drugs. They might, quote unquote, overdose on a prescription med. uh, And then they'd go into recovery. They'd get, you know, sent to the ER. They wouldn't die. They'd have another, they'd live another day. You don't have that with fentanyl. Fentanyl is a poison straight up. Now, let me just clarify one thing there is actual medical grade fentanyl that's what i was going to ask is it is it actually a drug it there is an actual usable drug it's used for uh cancer patients particularly using a patch so it's you know only given to you in extremely small regulated dosage um and uh, management for pain management people in hospice okay so it it has a very specific uh, medical use. It's heavily regulated. Um, and that's that's really that's not what we're talking about. In fact, chemically speaking, the fentanyl that's medical fentanyl is actually a little different than the illicit fentanyl that's on the street. They are not the same. Hmm. And it's synthetic. So it's, it's not synthetic. it's not dependent on the opioid trade. They're Correct. Right. So imagine like cocaine, for instance, and this is part of the the story. Cocaine was coming from South America, you know, all these different cartels down there. And Mexico had their own drug thing going on. And it was really difficult to get all that cocaine, those large quantities of material trying to smuggle that into the United States. So if you think about the size of a brick of cocaine versus the size of equivalent uh, fentanyl, 
you can get way more fentanyl in the United States a lot easier than you can equivalent uh, price-wise of, of cocaine. Wow. So that they basically have shut the cocaine market out. They've shut the um, poppy opioid market from uh, Afghanistan out. They've they've taken over just about everywhere. the The only other thing competing is meth in the illicit drug world here. I mean, you can still get other things, and right. and of course, there's marijuana, which is illegal in uh, at least by state in more than fifty percent of the United States. So so that's a whole different thing. So let me ask you this then: it, mm-hmm. it's an opioid, so it's killing pain. It's reducing pain. How does it actually, what is the mechanism that it actually kills people by? Is it just, it just shuts down your respiratory system? What is, what does it actually do? Yes, that, that is exactly it. It's a respiratory, um, situation where it will shut you down that way. Okay. So back in 2017, Congress, in, in, in amongst all the other busy stuff that they did back then, held a hearing that the actual title of which is uh, fentanyl, the next phase of the opioid epidemic. So we've actually known about this for at least five years. Of course, I'm sure that makes it Trump's fault, right? Because 2017, so it would be Trump's fault. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Relax. Uh, right? No. <laughs> so what is the actual problem? And, and when you when you start describing this to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull rank here just a little bit and say, okay, this is a block checkout. For I don't know air block, and, mm-hmm. and when we used to do this on a submarine, we would say, okay, I'm a I'm a molecule of air. Get me from the atmosphere to such and such tank, and then into the main ballast tank. And you would have to follow that whole thing through there. So I want you to kind of do that. Give me an air block checkout level description of what the actual problem is here. Well, there's a lot of problems, but no. if you want to know why the illicit fentanyl thing became a thing quite honestly, is when we uh, changed how legal drugs and particularly, you know, regular uh, um, oxycodone Mm -hmm. was uh, handled in the United States. We made it much more difficult back around uh, 2015, 2016 for people to get their prescription medication. I can attest to that because I have a story about oxycodone and my knee replacement that was insane. So, and I had a prescription. And, and if you visit the website, make a plug, but whatever, the, but we have an annual report which has a great graph in there that shows where fentanyl uh, use went up as we changed the spectrum of ability to have legal drugs uh, provided to people. So what happened was, you know, people were over, the doctors were over prescribing those opioids and then they were shut down on that and people were addicted to it and they were trying to find it and fentanyl filled the gap. And as it filled the gap, it created a lot of deaths out there because the dealers out there, Still, they, they didn't then, and they don't now know now how to distribute that, how to mix it, how to put it in a pill form, how to what they're doing. And it's illegal anyways. I mean, <laughs> it, the amount. <laughs> There's the, no class the, you can take to learn those. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and uh, 
people who suffer from addiction, you know, it chemically alters the brain. And so once you get any of it, even if you got enough that wasn't going to kill you, you would still experience immediate addiction to this product. Now, that's kind of what they used to say about meth. If you if you tried yeah. meth, you were going to be addicted to it. Same with, um, was it crack? Crack cocaine was the same way. You right. Know, you taste this, you're going to be addicted for life. And I always, I never knew for sure, because like I told you before the show, I, I have no practical experience with this. I always wondered if that was just a scare tactic. Don't take, don't, don't touch it. Because my, look, I grew up in a temperance society who used to tell me that if you taste alcohol, you'll be permanently addicted. Which <laughs> wasn't true as it turns out. So I always felt like that was like a scare tactic, but you're telling me with this stuff, it isn't. I would say that from the things that I've seen, I believe that the danger is extremely real and and we see that people continue to, to use it. The organization Blue Plaid is now distributing Narcan. Hmm. Narcan is a uh, it's a, a a medicine that can reverse right. it's a opioid reversal drug. Right. Uh, although it it's not a narcotic of any sort. It you just uh spray it in your nose. Sometimes it takes uh, two or three doses to do a reversal, hmm. but you know it is very effective of preventing people from dying from uh, fentanyl. Well, let's let's put a pin in that because I want to come back to that. But here's what doesn't make sense to me: mm-hmm. How does such a dangerous drug benefit the dealers? I mean, at some point, don't people wake up and realize if I take this, I'm going to die, and I don't really want to die, so I got to quit taking. I mean, the morgue here in Seattle, not here, but over there in Seattle, is having to rent space because they have so many people dying of fentanyl. At what point do people realize that this is just too too dangerous? I mean, I, I, I don't understand how it benefits the drug dealers, the business themselves, if they're killing their customers. Right, and, and we hear that all the time. That is the one of the big questions. And the answer lies in the fact of numbers. There will always be another kid. That's that's their thought. They don't care. They're there for the one time one time money making deal. And if you die, you die. If you don't, you come back and you get some more. They don't care. Okay. That, that's ultimately it. I, mean, I get that. do not care. I get that. Yeah. But doesn't such having having such a dangerous drug that's killing your customers doesn't that attract unwanted attention, which that's the one thing drug dealers don't want is a lot of attention from, I don't know, Congress five years ago, law enforcement now. D- doesn't it doesn't that seem counterproductive from a business it, well, standpoint? It, you would if, in fact, they were doing something about it. Right. And right now we're not doing enough to stop it. And one of the, and it's so easy. You don't go down to the corner store and see your drug dealer and go, Oh, there's, you know, Joey at the go see Joey at the corner anymore. Now they go on Snapchat. They type in some emojis and check in at a location. And then the dealer drives by and drops off the drugs and you never see them. Are you serious? That's how it's done. Yeah. I had no idea that that was how this is done. 
that that is how they're getting the drugs distributed. So it's it's facelifts. It's a whole different paradigm of of delivering it. And it looks like candy. A lot of times it look, you know, they're they're putting it out in ways that makes it very attractive to kids. Right. Wow. Where are the kids getting the money to pay for this? Because I'm sure it's not cheap. Well, I guess maybe it is cheap. I don't know. Well, you figure this. A, a dose, this is what we know, and this information comes from the DEA, is that uh, a typical dose of fentanyl costs less than a buck to make. It's been even down to, I think, 12 cents for oh. per per dosage for the dealer to to make it or buy it or whatever. And then they put it into pills that look like Adderall, uh, Xanax. You know, Stuff we're putting your, kids on. Right. And then they put it out there and uh, and maybe they sell it for five bucks a pill, wow. which is so cheaper than the pharmacy. Right. So parents are going, hey, this is cheaper. Maybe I should do it this way. Well, kids are. Oh. They're going, oh, I'll t- I need to take that exam and that someone can get me a Xanax. Oh, I'll take one of yours. Sure. Give it to me. Wow. This candy thing really upsets me. That's a big deal up here right now because we've had a we had a kid die of this a couple of weeks ago, and it's mm-hmm. I just I don't know. It's just mind boggling to me. You know this this I, I guess I'd never never really considered the idea that so what if we kill I don't know ten twenty percent of our customers? There's there's always going to be more. What does that say about us as a society? Right, right. That's, that's weird. That's weird. What what can be done? What if if you were to take off your official, you know, I I can't have an opinion about anything because I work for the government hat. What what, what uh, would you do? What what would you do if you were president, Chad, to stop this? Well, I mean, we would we'd like to label it a weapon of mass destruction because it is killing our kids at an alarming rate. There is a there's some people that feel that China is perf- purposefully attempting. Oh, I would believe that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist and I don't have facts on the ground about it. But, you know, the president should do everything he can to get China to stop allowing those uh, precursors to be even uh, sent out of China mm-hmm. to any country. They need to stop that. Another thing that can be done is we need to change the narrative in the United States. The biggest thing is the users. We need to get kids, people in general, to stop taking illicit stuff. Make it easier to get treatment and longer. If we have people who are addicted to drugs, 30 days in rehab is not enough. It just isn't. Or 28 um, days if you're Sandra Bullock, right? Right. I mean, that that will not solve your problem. That will get you down the road 28 days. But it takes, believe it or not, it takes over a year to get over a chemical addiction like that. Wow. Yeah. So how we approach recovery has to change in society so that people have the right tools so that they don't go back to it. My best friend, who is the reason why I'm involved in Blue Plaid, uh, her son died of the of fentanyl poisoning. 
and he was in rehab for uh, alcoholism for the most part, but still, right. 28 days was not enough to get him where he needed to be. Mm. Yep. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about blue plaid. Mm-hmm. What is it? And is it local, national? What is blue plaid? So the blue plaid society is an organization that was initially set up for fentanyl awareness. Now we're distributing Narcan, but was set up because my best friend's son, Tristan, died of a fentanyl poisoning back in November of 2021. And uh, after my friend had been experiencing tremendous grief, she didn't know what to do, and she wanted to do something and turned her grief into action. And she grieves every day, trust me. But this helps her um, have a mission in life. It was her only kid. And she's like, no other parent should have to suffer what she suffered. She's uh, been very vocal about making sure that people know. She says, if I had known about this drug, I would have done something. I would have stopped my kid. I would have kept him in rehab longer. I would have done whatever it would have taken to save his life. But she didn't realize the significant danger because she had been living under the old paradigm of, yeah, kids take a drug, they overdose, they go to the hospital, you know, the the back and forth thing. But she just didn't realize that there was a chemical out there that would kill you dead regardless there was no saving you. I don't think a lot of people, I mean, we see it in the news every day. My new local news this morning running stories about it's so dangerous, it's that ever. But at some point, maybe it becomes, I don't know, it, 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 we're so inundated by it that the message maybe gets lost in all the noise. I That concerns me about it. Uh, who knows? So you got involved because she was your best friend. Um, mm-hmm. How's that experience been for you? I know you're on the board of directors of this organization, so yeah, been there myself. How's that? Uh, how's that changed your life? Um, I I don't have a relationship ever, excuse me, with drugs from a past. So for me, this is a little new. Learning about all of this uh, information and actually on the street talking to other people about it. So there's two different kinds of people I end up meeting. I meet people who have experienced loss, and then there's people who are recovering from other drugs and and have heard about it. So I get to see different sides of this problem. Uh, So it's really made me more aware of, you know, how we need to make make a change in society. Uh, And I'm happy to actually be part of it. So, yeah. Going forward, do you feel what do you what do you feel like you personally are going to do in the future about it? About what this can, problem? Yeah. What can you do? I mean, what what do you want to uh, do? Well, I the thing is that we've noticed is that we, we call it there's a cold market and a warm market as far as information. Mm-hmm. So the people who experience loss, they all of a sudden are doing all the research and they want to find out more information because they experience loss and now they're wanting to have action and they come to blue plaid and we provide um, some outlet for grief. Uh, uh, One of the things we do is we uh, help honor 
the people who died. You can see that at the website. Um, but then there's the cold market, which is a lot of your listeners possibly that have never heard about it. And that's the thing that we want to do is make everybody aware about the problem and t- have the conversation uh, that we need to do things about it to stop people from using it. A lot of people believe, oh, my kid's a good kid. They'll never do that. They'll never, ever do right, that. And except then they, that there's people out there pushing fentanyl that looks like candy. Exactly. Or looks like Xanax or everything else. Right. And it's just one. Yeah. It's just and, and we we were yeah. at a high school recently, and there was it was big group of different uh, organizations. We all had tables and they were, they were talking about it. They had a presenter and one of the kids presented and said, the reason kids are doing drugs, they're doing vaping and marijuana and all of these other things is because of anxiety Hmm. and that there's that pressure to do it because everybody else is doing it. And I don't know if it's different today for kids than it was when we were going to school because drugs have been a problem for a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard that. But I mean, they are uh, uh, the idea that, you know, worried about getting into college, worried about all these different things that parents put on their kids pressure wise and somehow drugs are going to solve the problem. It's it's interesting, but that is what people are saying is the reason kids are turning to drugs. I tend to believe that we've also made it more acceptable because there was a time when marijuana was not legal at all. Right. And now it is. Yeah, and that's a well, that's a sticky wicket, isn't it? Right. That's, that's an argument you could have every day. So do you feel like you're making a difference at Blue Plaid? Do you feel like you're accomplishing your mission or well, we are only our first year into this, and we've had over 12,000 engagements with different people, and we are reaching across the entire United States. Only one state do we feel that we haven't really hit, which is North Dakota for some reason. Don't know that. There's <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> no, I, I went to South Dakota and ran a, a, a half marathon. Didn't didn't go north, though. <laughs> But really, I mean, Florida has a big problem here. Texas, uh, the Northeast, uh, and California, we're seeing a lot of engagement in those areas. And, and we do feel that we're making a difference. We've created a brand and blue plaid. When you hear that, we want people to associate blue plaid with fentanyl kills. So whenever you hear that, see it, we want people to just think about it no different than when you know, the, uh, Nancy Reagan had her her program. You know, don't do drugs and just say no. Say, and if we can get that, and we can change the narrative for kids to go, you know, I saw blue plaid and it's serious stuff. One pill can kill. Yeah. Absolutely, it's true. What do you need as an organization? What do you need to be even more effective? What what, what do you what do you need from us? Well, um, we, we need people to get the word out for sure. Share. If you go to the website or go to our Facebook page, share that information that we post and let people know one pill can kill that it's 
that it is a real problem. Um, we, we are working on trying to increase our financial resources. Uh, I think that all nonprofits are doing that. Our first year, we took about 20,000 plus dollars and have been able to, you know, stand up a website, have a store where we sell t-shirts for people so that they can uh, spread the word. We give away a lot of stuff. Uh, it, uh, inf- educational material. If you go to the website, you can get that I- informational material, cards, pamphlets, flyers, uh, posters that we produce. And that's what we're doing with the money. And we're also showing up throughout the state of Florida. And that's part of what we do. Now, you've also done some stuff with Narcan, too. Right. We are a uh, authorized Narcan distributor in the state of Florida. We go to different uh, we have different uh, events that we show up at and we distribute Narcan. So if we're there, we, we're probably distributing Narcan as well. Cool. So yeah. what if 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 you had a couple of minutes to just give your you know elevator pitch or your wrap up, what's the most important thing you want people to know about Blue Plaid? Um, I would say uh, Blue Plaid is working really hard. It has a lot of great volunteers that are trying to make a difference in people's lives to save people from illicit fentanyl. That's the elevator speech right there. And uh, where can people get involved with this? Where Where do people go to learn all this stuff and get what they need and help out? First place I direct them is to the website, blueplaid.org. I've been to a lot of different fentanyl websites, but we really have jam-packed it with a lot of information, and it continues to grow. Every every week we're adding new information there. Of course, Facebook is great, but Facebook is um, ephemeral. (laughs) The post is there today, and eventually the post is, you know, stale. And so you're you never really see what you're looking for. You can't find stuff there. Right. But websites, the you know, it's there forever in in an order where you can find what you're looking for. And we have great resources to take you right to the DEA to read the data right from the government. We're not making it up. Uh, it's you know, we have the source data right there. Um, we pride ourselves on ethics and transparency as a nonprofit. Uh, we post how are all the money that we've gotten and how we're spending it. We're not, you know, trying to collect people's uh, cash and go on vacations. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. It's a big story up here right now too, because of uh, Russell Wilson. So let me right. ask you this question. How much does one dose can, whatever it is of, of Narcan cost? Oh, if you were to have to go get a prescription yourself and you didn't have insurance, we understand it's about 150 bucks for for a dose. Does it cost you guys that much? We get it for free from the state of Florida through oh. the iSafe program. Okay. All right. I was just curious. I thought that would be a good good way and, to do and, that. And the state of Florida pays about $40 a dose, a box. Okay. And they are – they. You know, you have to go through a process, a vetting process. You have to get a person to cover the prescription and a pharmacy that's willing to receive it. And then we get it and then we're able to distribute it. 
makes sense to me. Judd Spitzer is with the Blue Plaid Society down in Florida. Uh, Judd, if people want to ask you more questions, how do they get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me at Judd at blueplaid.org. Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you have any more questions about it, I would encourage you to ask him. Uh, I feel a lot better about it now than I did an hour ago, but we still got a lot of work to do and we got a lot of ways uh, to get there. So check it out, blueplaid.org. Send Judd an email or uh, support their work locally if you can find a local organization or, or down there as well. All right. Take the time right now. Tell the people that matter in your life you love them very much. You'd miss them if they weren't there, so don't pass up those opportunities. You don't want to have that regret. Plausibly Live, I'm Dave Bowman, and we will see you tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. on the great WMMB AM in Melbourne, Florida, with Bill Mick for Dave Does History. Have a great day, everybody.